Happy New Year! The calendar has changed again, but the need to push back against the status quo, lukewarm, mindless, and hypersensitive version of Christianity has not been left in the previous year. Welcome back, friends, to Mavericks and Misfits, where, in this episode, our host, Jeff Lyle, intends to call us to step a little more boldly into reforming how Christians think and live in the 21st century. If we don't fix what is broken in the church, nobody else can. So, it's now time for you to tell us today, Jeff, what God has given you to say. 2022, can you believe it? 2022 is upon us. I want to wish all of you very happy new year. I don't know. People are wired differently. I'm married to a lovely, beautiful, wise, godly woman who does not like January. She hates to see the Christmas season fade away and the new year begin. Our Christmas tree will be up until Easter probably because my wife loves the Christmas season. I enjoy Christmas. I'm Listen, I've made that clear over the years, but um, I tell you what, I'm just wired by God to love the new, to love a new open door, to love a new calendar, to love a, um, a freshness with a whole year laid out before us, wondering what is going to happen over the next 12 measurable calendared months and what will we be saying you know, 52 weeks from now. And so it always hits me with, um, I don't know, kind of an element of excitement, an element of hunger, an element of possibilities. It just stirs me. And so that's where I'm at today. You don't have to be there, but um, you're going to have to let me be there because it's my podcast. So I get to say what I want to say in the way that I want to say it. And so if you feel differently about it, just try to get on board with me today. And so uh, listen, I want to, I, there's so many different things you can start out a new New year with on your podcast and I'm for I'm, I'm for you know any idea that is rooted in scripture there's a hundred things that podcasters and pastors and writers and Christians can be talking about could be prophetic stuff what is God going to do in the year 2022 it could be biblical stuff about disciplines and hungers and commitments and all of those things I'm not a big New Year's resolution guy just because most of the time those things are kind of sourced in the flesh and by February they're forgotten about but I am 100% in favor of us examining our hearts not only at the beginning of the year but at all times and just say what is the Lord saying what's he calling me to a higher degree of commitment to so um, I, I can only talk about one thing today I can't cover everything and interestingly I felt like I wanted to open up the new year on Mavericks and Misfits and talk to you uh, just about one particular, I don't know, facet of prophetic ministry and um, a troubling trend that I have seen over the last several years that I just never could quite get my head wrapped around about how to address it in a sermon or, you know, one of our truth shots on TV or any of that. And so I realized, okay, the podcast at the beginning of the year is just a great format because I kind of feel like God's going to bless anything right now. And so I really felt like I could get um, this to you in a way that would have the touch of the Lord on it. Um, I, I, I want to talk to you about this thing that I've seen among charismatic Christians for several years, and I've seen it across the board. I've seen it in brand new believers who are experiencing and encountering God in supernatural ways for the first time in their lives. I've seen it among seasoned leaders in the kingdom who have many years of walking with the Lord. I've seen it with people that you know, have a fair, high, fairly high regard for the scriptures and those who have no regard for the scriptures. But where I've seen it the most probably 
is among young adults. And listen, I love young adults. I thank God for what he's doing among young millennials and Gen Z in the in the kingdom. So by no means is this a crackdown, but it is maybe just something I would ask those of you that fall into that age group maybe to consider. What am I talking about? I'm talking about this idea that, and I'm going to say it as broadly as I can and then maybe get a little more precise with it, but the idea that When a thought pops into your head and it's accompanied with a strong emotion, and especially if it takes place in a supernatural setting where the presence of the Lord is moving and this thought hits somebody, that they automatically think that it's a word from the Lord. That that every thought that pops into somebody's head is a word from the Lord. Or take it up to a different level. Every dream is a message from God with an action item attached to it. Every prophetic emotion and sense and stirring of God is God grabbing their attention and saying, whatever's going on right now, make this part of what you do. So I am really going to go, I'm going to go hard after this a little bit today with the hope that I will just cause people who are obeying the scriptures the scriptures command the Christian, 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14, read through those regularly. Those chapters command believers to pursue spiritual gifts. And as a matter of fact, at the top of the list, Paul the Apostle places pursuing prophecy. So please know that the context for everything I'm about to say is is that I highly regard prophetic gifting, prophetic ministry, and the command to pursue deeper skill and revelation in the prophetic realm. The reason why I'm sharing what I'm about to share with you is because I have such a high regard for it that I can't stand to see the credibility of prophetic ministry in the New Testament church in this generation, can't stand to see it undermined by people casually, uh, flippantly, recklessly in immaturity, stewarding prophetic words, stewarding prophetic ministry, stewarding their influence in the kingdom of God. We've got to tighten up, friends, on this issue. And so I'm going to bring you a passage of scripture, which is almost always used in regards to um, spiritual warfare. And I think that's right because it's given in the context of warfare. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm just going to read to you verses 3, 4, and 5, but I'm going to share these verses with you in a way today that is less about tearing down demonic imaginations, demonic strongholds, the enemies established Uh, patterns of thoughts in the lost world, in the unbelieving world, in the carnal, corrupt, anti-Christian culture. It's going to be less about them. And I'm going to apply it saying, hey, charismatic Christians, hear me on this. We have to think about what these verses say and give honor to the Lord and ask ourselves, are we applying this to our own stewarding of our own thoughts, our own emotions, our own imaginations? Are we being as suspicious of our own mental ups and downs, emotional ins and outs, 
and mouths moving at a pace that may not be in sync with what the Holy Spirit is saying. That's where I want to talk to you about today. Let me read the verses and maybe this will make more sense. So Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, his second letter. And in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3, 4, and 5, he says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. And then he adds this in verse 5. We, the Christians, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. That phrase is so important. Every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now, yeah, I'm reading those emphatically because I'm feeling it. It is so important that that we get this. We've got to get the intensity of what's being written here because I do believe personal opinion. You don't have to agree with me, but listen, I think I'm right on this. I've seen it. Pastors, leaders, prophets, um, apostolic leaders in the church, ministry leaders, missionaries, evangelists, those that flow in signs and wonders and miracles and healings, those that live out their life in a supernatural context for Christianity. I'm, I'm for all of that as long as it's authentic, as long as it's God, as long as it's not us, as long as when we say this is the Lord, that it's actually the Lord either doing something, saying something, or stirring something. My conviction is that I have been around a lot of stuff that has God's name attached to it. None of it is evil. None of it is immoral. None of it is patently sinful. As a matter of fact, most of what I'm thinking of when I'm delivering a podcast like this, we're not talking about things that are clearly out of alignment with the word of the Lord, the written word of God. We're talking about this hard to define prophetic context and atmosphere where people frequently say things like, the Lord told me this. God spoke to me in a dream. I had a vision. This is what I'm sensing the Lord is saying, and so on and so on. And some people will be even more bold, and they will say, thus saith the Lord, and then they'll release a word. Now, guys, before I even go into these three verses, let me just say, when we open up our mouths and we presume to speak for God, we're accountable. We are accountable to God. We're accountable to the people that um, are hearing our words. We're accountable for what comes out of our mouth and we're accountable for what those things set in motion. And so while I, I pray almost, not every day, but I pray constantly, regularly for increased prophetic gifting. I pray for words of knowledge. I flow in a fair amount of that. But I, as the more I have um, really, really thought about prophetic culture, the more I've thought about ministries that are churches and ministries that operate in prophetic culture, the, the more I'm getting convicted that we are being incredibly sloppy, if not just downright reckless with attaching God's name to things 
that have nothing to do with God. And I'll give you some examples during the remainder of the podcast. And so let's go back to these verses. I'm a word of God guy. You know that if you listen to Mavericks and Misfits regularly, this is in a, under the umbrella of the ministry called Transforming Truth. And that's a ministry that I've set up since 2007 to do didactic teaching, expositional teaching and preaching through the word of God. I'm a written word of God man who embraces prophetic ministry, rhema word and, and all of the activities of the spirit. But the, the plumb line for everything that is said on behalf of God, the plumb line to measure its validity is the written word of God. And so I'm always going to take us back to the written word of God. And Paul opens up in second Corinthians 10 and he says this, we walk in the flesh. He goes, though we walk in the flesh. So he's about to set up a contrast, a comparison here. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, what is he talking about that? Well, it's very simple. We don't have to really spend a lot of time on this. Paul's saying, Hey guys, we all know that we're living out our lives in the physical body. This is the flesh. It's not talking about the sinful fleshly component of people's existence. He's saying we are living out our lives physically and the physical component of who you are. This is not just simply your body, your physical body, but when he's talking about the flesh, he's talking about the limited human capacity to live out life on earth, but it does include our physical, emotional, and our intellectual capacities. So the flesh involves all of those. It involves your body, body, your, your heart, your emotions, and your mind, your thoughts. So I want you to think about that. We are walking in the flesh. You got up today and you put your shoes on, you put your pants on, you probably took a shower, you used your hands to drive a car, you used your physical body, you had emotions, you felt a certain way, you're feeling a certain way right now, and you've had thoughts. You thought about what you were doing. You thought about how you were going to do it. You thought about maybe responsibilities and needs, and hopefully along the way you thought about God. Hopefully that you're centered in your thinking is the glory of Jesus Christ, the son of God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who is to be the the central facet of our existence in this body. We're supposed to orbit all of our natural life around the son of God. I hope that that's true about you. So we're walking in the flesh. You, you have to live in your body. While you are at home in the body, Paul would write, you're absent from the presence of the Lord in the sense of you're not fully with him yet. So you're living that out. So I don't have to spend a lot of time on that part. If you don't get that part, you're not going to get much out of the rest of the podcast, but that's ABC. Ultimately, I'm just telling you, you're a physical creature who thinks and feels. And so he says, yes, we're walking in the flesh. Then he brings the contrasting statement in verse three. He says, but we're not waging war according to the flesh. We're not waging war according to the flesh. And then into verse four, he says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. Okay, so here's, here's Paul saying it's a duality. We are physical creatures with thoughts, emotions, and physical needs and capacities. However, we are fighting a war that is not able to be um, triumphed in according to the flesh, meaning you can't win the spiritual war against the world, the flesh, and the devil if you're just fighting merely according to your own body, your own mind, and your own heart. In other words, you can be brilliant in your mind, you can be strong and impressive and stout in your body, and you can be rock solid whole, W-H-O-L-E, whole in your emotions. But the person with the strongest body, the strongest mind, and the strongest natural emotions still can't win the war that we've been assigned to win. He says, because verse four, our weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. So the very thing that we're called to do in this life, 
We are fighting the world. We're fighting the flesh. We are fighting the devil. We are seeking to advance the glory of God. Life is supposed to be about Jesus. We're advancing the Great Commission. We're making disciples. We're taking territory. We're casting out demons. We're coming against sickness. We're coming against... Um, affliction. We're coming against poverty. We're coming against injustice. We're coming against unbelief and we're loving people. We're helping people. We're edifying people. We are rescuing people. We are sacrificially sowing financially, sowing with our time, sowing with our gifts and abilities. We're proactively engaged for the glory of Jesus. And what Paul is saying here is, I hope you're not fighting this war in your flesh because the weapons of our warfare can't be fleshly. What does that mean? Well, it means something along the lines of, let me just try to describe to you. The fight that we are waging as we live for the glory of Christ is spiritual. We're physical creatures. We have a body. We have an intellect. We have an emotion. We are spiritual at our core, but we're having to live it out in a physical realm. And so we have to fight this battle in the spirit. So we can't afford to bring carnal weapons to a spiritual fight. We can't afford to bring fleshly weapons to a spiritual fight. You can't even afford to bring emotional or intellectual or imaginative weapons to a spiritual fight. It's, it's entirely possible that this happens, that you can actually bring carnal weapons that we believe are spiritual but if we fail to recognize that the flesh can impact our thoughts and feelings, then we can actually unintentionally bring our own thoughts and feelings into warfare. Thoughts and feelings that do not come from God himself. Now, what, what am I talking about? Well, guys, this is what I've seen. So I have seen and heard, especially over the last probably three years, a lot of people that will show up in, in, let's just say they'll show up in January and they will talk about a powerful time of encounter in prayer or in a worship setting or in some kind of, you know, conference or something. And they'll have this radically powerful encounter. Their emotions will be seized. Their thoughts will be seized. Their bodies will be seized. They'll have the, the, in their will and they'll come out of that encounter and they'll say, this is what God said. God said this, God gave me this vision. God showed me this part of my destiny. God spoke this over my identity. Or sometimes it's as specific as God, God gave me a vision of this girl that I'm going to marry or this guy that's going to be my husband or this church that's going to call me or this platform that I'm going to stand on. And they get this imagination, they get this feeling, they get this word, and it is so strong and so intense. They say, that's God. So that happens in January. And then I don't run into them for three months and I see them in March. I'm saying, Hey man, how did that word play out? Where's that girl that God told you? Where's that ministry that God told you about? Where's that platform? Oh, you know what, man? I tell you what, I thought it was that, but then a month later I had this revelation. It wasn't that girl. It wasn't that ministry. It wasn't. And now God's saying this. I'm like, Oh, okay. All right. So, all right, cool, man. I'll pray into that. And then three months later, hey, dude, what about that girl? The one who wasn't the first one, but it's the second one. But you were convinced the second time that you missed it the first time. No, dude, I had it wrong. It's this and it's this. And I'm not that ministry is not going to be the one. And it's and do you see what I'm saying here? I'm just using this hypothetical situation that's really a composite of hundreds 
of conversations I've had with charismatic people that say that God gave them a word and then the word shifts in three months. And then the word shifts again in nine months. And then the word shifts again in 12 months. And so what happens ultimately is I become convinced over time that A, God is not schizophrenic. God does not contradict himself. God does not say one thing at point A and then say something completely opposite at point B when point A never came to pass. So I believe that God is not schizophrenic. And B, I believe this, people are thinking that every imagination, every impulse, every private feeling they have in an ecstatic moment of worship or in a prolonged season of fasting and prayer, they believe because it occurs to them in their mind, it must be the Lord speaking to their spirit. And so what we have is a lot of big words and a lot of really small fulfillments. And guys, that is giving a black eye to prophetic ministry. You and I both need to acknowledge this. We are sick and tired of the repeated big booming moment of thus saith the Lord. God said this. God's going to do this. This is what the Lord's saying. This is what this year is going to be about. This is what the presidential election thing is going to happen. This candidate, this word, this movement. And then it fizzles out. And you know why? Part of the time, I'm not saying it happens this way in every instance, but when the pattern is undeniable, Houston, we have a problem. Somebody's not getting their signals from the Lord. Somebody is failing to do what 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3, 4, and 5 is telling us. They're bringing carnal weapons to a spiritual battle. Their thoughts, though they may be God-honoring, their thoughts may be kingdom-oriented. Their thoughts may have a touch of prophetic significance. It may even be aligned with a word in certain occasions. But if it doesn't come to pass, it isn't and it wasn't of the Lord. And so when that happens over and over and over again with an individual or with a leadership team or with churches or with ministries or with denominations, somebody's not listening to God and my charismatic brothers and sisters, and I'm one of you, I'm telling you, we've got to get to the place where we say enough is enough. We have a high volume of speaking for the Lord and a very low volume of follow through from the Lord. And I dare you to say that it's God's fault. I dare you. Because if it's coming from God and God said it, God will do it. And if we are saying continually that God has said it, but it doesn't happen, it's because God never said it. And because that's happening on such a regular frequency, I'm just one voice among many blowing the whistle, calling a timeout and saying, guys, we have to slow down and make sure that what we're saying prophetically is actually coming from the heart of God and not our own imaginations, not our own emotions not our own desires. And listen, I'm not, I'm not indicting anybody on their motivation. I'm not saying you wicked people out there that are getting it wrong, you're trying to deceive people. I actually don't think that's the case at all. Most of the people that I run with are people that really, really want to honor the Lord. They want to see God move. They believe when they're saying these things on behalf of the Lord and they're saying, this is what the Lord is doing. This is what the Lord is saying. In the moment, they're 100% sincere. But guys, we're getting it wrong. We are getting it wrong and it's got to stop. You say, well, Jeff, what's the answer? The answer is for us to slow down and maybe say less prophetically 
And maybe in those gaps where we're not positive if God is releasing a prophetic word, maybe we actually open the Bible and we study where we know he speaks every time we read it, the written word. Because I found this, the more filled you are with the written word, the more likely it is you will hear the rhema word or the prophetic word or the word of knowledge. And what we've got is we've got a bunch of people that are just running around exchanging. They're like playing badminton with prophetic words. I'll give you one. You give me one. I'll give you one. And then what we're not recognizing is that, man, there's an audience watching and they think that prophetic ministry is jacked up. Listen, I, I, I rub shoulders with people all the time that, that will not have anything to do with charismatic prophetic ministry. And the reason why is because our track record is abysmal. Because generally speaking, charismatics are the ones shooting themselves in the foot. Because we say all this stuff and we we just don't, we, we're not sharp. We're passionate, but we're not precise. Very quick word. I love passion. I wish my friends that aren't passionate about the Lord and everything's academic and everything's theological and everything's got to be doctrinal and it's got to be organized and it's got to make sense and it's got to be reasonable. They need an encounter with God. They need their whole little system that they've created to be blown up and they need the power of the Holy Ghost to come. They need to get floored. They need to get filled. They get, need to get slain. They need to get just knocked out by the power of God. I want that for them. And they'll, they'll get up from those encounters with passion. So I would say to them, you guys need passion, but I'm saying to us, our tribe, we need precision. So what does the rest of the verse say? Well, the, Paul's saying the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So what Paul's saying is like, literally, what we bring to the fight in the spirit that is not sourced in our flesh, not sourced in our intellect, not sourced in our imagination, not sourced in our own emotions, he says, when we are releasing what God is giving, we have divine power, divine power. We have the power of God to destroy strongholds. And again, that's spiritual warfare terminology. So in other words, we can, we can beat the devil. We can kick his carcass all the way down the road in the name of Jesus when we are operating in divine power. But the problem is, is, is that I'm not positive we're operating in divine power. It feels like we're operating in charismatic cliches, rehashed prophecies, the same old stuff, and it's just got a different spin on it from time to time. And so we have the divine power. That's Bible. Like literally the devil knows this and he's afraid that if we'll actually start operating in this and we actually get a word from the Lord and we actually get the vision of the Lord and we actually operate in the power of the Holy Spirit and we actually release the gifts of the Holy Spirit and we actually do it not when there's lights, camera, and action going on, but we do it when in the, in the trenches when warfare is going on, the devil knows that he's doomed. But only if the thoughts themselves are sourced in God's wisdom. The, the, the thoughts, the ideas, the words, what we're saying, what we're thinking, what we're speaking, what we're prophesying, they have divine power to destroy strongholds, but only if those things themselves are sourced in God's wisdom, God's ways, and God's actual communication. So to destroy what the enemy has established, we've got to bring weapons that contain divine power, not human reasoning, not human emotion, not human imagination, because all of that might be presumption and it will be presumption if God's not the source of it. 
And so in verse five, it says that when, when we have this divine power to destroy strongholds, here's what occurs. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey, to obey Christ. So listen, you got arguments, you got opinions, and you've got thoughts. And, and Paul is saying here, those things have to be brought captive to the knowledge of God to obey Christ. And we usually use this as saying, yeah, we've got to go out there and destroy all the thoughts and all the ideologies and all the philosophies and all the, the, the mindsets and the worldviews that are sourced in the demonic realm and sourced in hell. And I would say amen to that. But what I'm saying is before any of that happens, we've got to make sure that our own thoughts, our own feelings, our own imaginations are not actually in opposition to the knowledge of God and aren't actually outside of the obedience to Jesus Christ. So let me just give you a really big, almost, it almost sounds so simple that it doesn't sound spiritual. Let me just go ahead and say this. Not everything that pops into your head is of God. If you get what you think is a word from the Lord, you need to make sure it's a word from the Lord. And if you're releasing it half a day after you received it, you're not stewarding it well. Listen, if it's a word from the Lord, a genuine word from the Lord at 8 a.m. in the morning, it's going to be a word from the Lord two days later at 12 p.m. in the afternoon. You don't have to rush. You don't have to hurry it. You don't have to release it. You speaking it quickly does not make it more real. As a matter of fact, I think that we disobey regularly the injunction that Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica in chapter 5 that tells us to test prophetic words. Most of all, test them in your own heart. Guys, you realize that what pops into your head can come from a thousand different sources. It is just presumptuous to assume that if we have a thought, it must be from God. I know some young people, I've, I've, I've ministered to young people so much. When I say young people, people in their 20s and their teens. And they get this idea or have a dream about somebody of the opposite gender. And they, they call me or they email me and say, I had a dream about so-and-so. I think it's the Lord. I'm thinking, or maybe it's you. Maybe it's your soul. Maybe that's a dream sourced in your soul. Maybe it's a dream that's just trafficking in your mind. Maybe it's because you thought of her intellectually during the day or you thought of him that day. Maybe it's because you heard his name. And so what people don't realize is not every dream is of the Lord. And not every thought is of the Lord and not every inclination. Listen, you actually have faculties that operate nonstop 24 seven. And just because you have a thought or a feeling about a person doesn't mean it's God saying, do this, go after it. That's my will. That's my person. Same way with ministries, man. I've, I've run with people in ministry that have a new vision every six months. And before the first vision ever reaches completion, there's a brand new vision and the first vision gets scrapped. And then that same thing happens with the second vision. It gets scrapped. Same thing happens with the third vision. It gets scrapped. It just gets replaced because we're junkies for whatever is new. And so I'm asking you in the name of Jesus, will you consider being a person that presses in and waits for the genuine article, the real deal, the real word that comes from the Lord. And when you get that word from the Lord, will you see it through until it's completion so that God can get the glory, not simply in the origination of the prophetic word, but in the consummation of the prophetic word. We are, we are abounding in originating presumed prophetic words, but when they don't get fulfilled, 
We, we find ourselves just, I mean, we ought to be humbled by it, almost embarrassed by it. That the amount of stuff that churches and individuals and prophetic people say that was the Lord, and then in six months, that thing never happened, and now there's something new from the Lord. Guys, we owe it to each other to say, enough is enough, man. You've, you've got a bad track record. You're actually not honoring the Lord, and you didn't. One of two things is that original word that they got was either not of God because it didn't come to pass, that ministry never happened, that relationship never materialized, that that opportunity never came. So it's either it wasn't of the Lord in when it originated, or it was of the Lord, and whoever gave that word got impatient and could not wait on the Lord to make it happen. So as a junkie for something new, they went and injected themselves with a new, fresh thought. Instead of doing what 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, you have to destroy arguments. It's a Greek word that means reasonings. You have to destroy your own internal reasonings sometime or your own lofty opinions that raise themselves up against the knowledge of God. See, you keep Jesus and his character and his ways and his word and his works. You keep that central and anything that comes against that, that's not of the Lord. So you destroy, you tear down that thing. And then it says you take every thought captive. To obey Christ. You see, the goal of prophetic ministry is to hear what God is saying and to obey it. The goal of prophetic ministry is, is not to call out phone numbers, address, social security numbers, and names and dates and all that stuff from the stage. That's cool. That's fine. And I actually believe that can be a legit expression of prophetic ministry if it is merely an on-ramp to get people to know God is speaking here and then they start making Jesus central. If a prophecy glorifies the prophet, he's misusing it. She's misusing it. And so when, when people, listen, this is what I want to say and my time's gone. If you're constantly saying the Lord told me or the Lord showed me or I had a vision and I had a dream and your track record is one of inconsistency, I'm going to be lovingly bold with you. You have no idea what you're doing. You are immature. You're not as gifted as you think. Or if you are as gifted prophetically as you think you are, you are abysmally impatient with letting God bring to pass what he told you. There won't be for our lives a brand new revelation every three to six months about people, opportunities, ministries, and directions. And especially if the previous ones never got fulfilled, you have no credibility and you need to be quiet. And it just, no, listen, I'm being bold here. You need to be quiet. Stop prophesying. Stop telling people you heard from the Lord. Stop telling people that you have prophetic gifting. Stop telling people your dreams because they're coming out of your own flesh. Because you're presuming that every thought and dream and idea that you have is a message from God and you're acting on it, you're sharing it with people, it never comes to pass and you're killing your testimony. Nobody's taking you seriously. You're just that girl. You're just that guy. And listen, we want you to operate in prophetic gifting. We need prophets in the church, but we don't need immature, ineffective, and inaccurate people calling themselves prophets, saying that they have a word from the Lord, only to turn around, and when it doesn't materialize, they hope nobody will notice, and they'll move on to the next one. Well, I'm here to tell you, in the name of Jesus, people notice what's going on, and we're telling one another, I need, to, I need people to preach this to me. 
And I, if I'm that far off, I want somebody to love me enough to come to me and say, Jeff, the last three things you thought were from the Lord clearly never manifested. Dude, what's going on in your spirit? And why don't you get alone with God and make sure you remember how to hear his voice? And if the only time you ever prophesy and the only time you're ever releasing a word is when the cameras are on, the lights are on, and this room is filled, ooh, watch yourself. You see, the enemy is not only raising up demonized false prophets outside of the church, he's also seeking to do damage to prophetic ministry by releasing immature, impatient prophets within the church. And it's time for all of us to say, We've done this long enough. We apologize for where we failed. You may hear less in number prophetic words, but when you hear them from us, they will be from the Lord. They will honor and glorify him. Those are my thoughts today on Mavericks and Misfits. I appreciate you tuning in and letting me just charge you as we begin a new year. If you are new to the podcast, I hope you'll rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Please do that. That's the only thing I ever ask our listening audience. If you believe in what I'm saying, if you believe in what I'm teaching, if you believe I'm being true to the Word of God and the heart of God, then please rate and review it. Share the podcast. Let people know about it. Your word of mouth will help enlarge our digital footprint. And all that means is we reach more people. We're finding out we're connecting with people all over the world. But I'm telling you, man, right here at home is where I'm really wanting to make a difference. In the region I live, in the southeastern United States, I'm looking for breakthrough and revival. And you can help me. And so don't be bashful. Don't be ashamed. Yeah, I preach the truth. I don't tow the party line with charismatics or Baptist or Presbyterians or Lutherans or Methodists. I don't care about any of that stuff. I want to know what's true and I want to walk it out with others who say we, we're sick of status quo Christianity. We want the truth. And so you can help me get the word out by doing that. Visit transformingtruth.org. That is our media ministry website. Full-length sermons and half-hour truth shots that we promote there. And uh, all of it's there to edify you. And so listen, my time's gone. Thanks for tuning in. If you live in the metro Atlanta area, come visit me at the Church at Winder. Go to churchatwinder.com and you can find out more about our church. But in the meantime, tune in every Tuesday at Mavericks and Misfits. That's going to be every Tuesday we release in the morning and subscribe to the podcast. I am out. We'll see you. Have you picked up a copy of Jeff's book, Figuring It Out As I Go? His life story of abandonment as a child, an embrace of the occult and addiction as a teenager, and a nearly deadly battle with depression and rage as a young adult serves as an intense backdrop to Jeff's supernatural conversion at the age of 24. From there, Jeff writes of powerful seasons of deliverance, healing, and breakthrough, which were followed by tragedy, betrayal, and deep challenges, which only God could turn around. If you want to hear a powerful account of the triumph of God's grace and Jeff's surprising journey into the mysteries of the Holy Spirit, pick up a copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at jefflyle.com or wherever else you buy books. You can also download a copy of Jeff narrating Figuring Out As I Go on audible.com.